Before we start today's podcast, I would like to remind you that you can support the show at linktree slash rjpodcasthub. That's linktr.ee slash rjpodcasthub, all one word, all lowercase. Or you can find the link in the description of this podcast episode. Any support is welcome. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to Entertainment News, the new show where I talk about all things in the world of entertainment. This first section here will be talking about video games. And first up on the palette as far as I see, and you'll you might hear some clicking just so I have a computer in front of me so I can always reference what I'm saying and why I'm saying it, etc. Um, Nintendo Switch has announced that they're going to be using do den duenvo den denuvo anti i think it's denuvo anti-piracy software for nintendo switch games well that that sucks that sucks big time because de, denuvo de, whatever however you pronounce it is really really crappy software it basically for those who don't know is that it's software that is supposed to help prevent piracy of the game it it it's supposed to protect people from it's supposed to protect rights holders from piracy you know that's the concept the problem is a a lot of times it's not needed like nintendo switch games are not something that like i understand that anything and everything can be pirated but I seem to remember that Switch is kind of kind of hard to pirate. You know, I'm sure there's ways to do it, and I don't doubt that whatsoever. But at the same time, it I don't it I don't know. It just seems like it's a useless thing that's meant to piss people off. Like this is just gonna make people mad because anybody who's had experience with Denuvo anti-piracy software then you'll know how shitty it is and how they say that it doesn't cause performance issues and then it was confirmed that it in fact does cause performance issues um that that was what would happen what happened with um resident evil village which is mentioned here in the article as well in the fact they put in denuvo they found not only was it able to be cracked almost immediately, and so the py- the attempt to thwart piracy just went right out the window. Not only that, but after that's when they said, "Hey, it doesn't cause any performance issues. Don't worry." And then hackers found out, "Oh, well, you know, turns out it actually does have issues." Oops, sorry. It like it's just stop with this fucking anti-cheat stuff. Like enough of anti-cheat software you know piracy is going to happen whether or not you add that crappy software so why not just not piss off gamers you know why why go out of your way to piss them off because whenever you whenever news like this comes out it it pisses everybody off no one's going to be happy oh oh these switch games have denuvo now oh well that's just such a great thing i wanted so badly no you don't give a shit and most people don't give a shit, and pirates are going to pirate, and they're always going to find ways to pirate. And the sooner that some of these developers can accept that, the better off 
gamers and gamer culture is all going to be. But anyway, that's a, that's enough about de novo anti anti cheat. It, it it's just a bunch of garbage, bunch of garbage. Okay, now this is a more recent announcement in the video games world. They're making a video game based on killer clowns from outer space. For those who don't know, you know I'll, I, you know this. I know this isn't the movie section, so I'm not going to go into movies for so much. But Killer Clowns from Outer Space is like a cult horror movie, quote unquote. It it's like it seems to be like a horror comedy type hybrid, but that's one thing like. It's only really a comedy horror hybrid for when you're an adult, but when you're a kid, this will scare the shit out of you. It scared the shit out of me too. When 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 I remember seeing Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it was just a glimpse of it for only like a few minutes and it scared the bejesus out of me. Nowadays I can look at it and go, "Oh, that's kind of cheesy." And I've watched a crazy amount of good and bad horror movies since then, and so my palate is kind of nulled to things that are scary but i just i i legitimately have no idea what to make of that piece of news i really don't i i think it's kind of strange i never thought that that would lend itself to a video game that that property but hey you know you never know nowadays um so yeah that's sort of like more weird news um I guess in the meantime, while I look for, I mean, I know there's some other piece of news that I wanted to cover. The my anticipated games of the year list is kind of it's changing almost every day. Like games that I was looking forward to are getting delayed into next year, and same thing goes for movies too. And like um, Harry Potter, I was looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy and Please don't write comments about J.K. Rowling. I know. I know she's a horrible person, but it's not my fault that she's a horrible person, and it's not my fault for having an interest in Harry Potter. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say that she isn't a piece of shit, but I'm also going to sit here and say I still love Harry Potter. I mean, it, the same thing goes for Woody Allen. Woody Allen may be a piece of shit, but he's made some of the greatest movies of all time. And you can't deny that. You can't ignore that to be the case. You just you just can't. And people who do are, are ignoring reality because there's a difference between art and the artist. And some people, they literally can't wrap their head around that distinction. They just think, oh, well, if you're supporting the artist, you're supporting the art, and blah, 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 and vice versa. Art is, once the art is created, it's then about the relationship between the viewer and the art itself. Once the art is created, then how it's interpreted and how it's viewed is really up to the person looking at it. At the end of the day, that's the nature of art. And to and to essentially ignore that relationship because oh the the artist is a piece of shit well 
I mean, if we were to go on that logic, I mean, most of the art in museums would be thrown out the fucking window because a lot of the artists who created those art, that, those artistic pieces, weren't always the greatest of people. Like, I, I, it's hard to believe that people can't make this distinction between the art and the artist, but again, it's not your fault that the person is a piece of crap. Don't feel bad for liking the things that you liked. Just enjoy the things that you like. Like that that's that's all there is to it. it it's you how do I say this? You can't you can't lose out on everything great in life because there may have been some questionable beginnings to it. You know, maybe it has questionable origins, but that's sometimes different than what this is now. The Harry Potter books, for example. You know, the Harry Potter books are already out there. They already exist. And if you sit down and read and enjoy the Harry Potter books, and then you find out later that J.K. Rowling's a piece of garbage, well, that doesn't mean you just throw away those books in the trash. That doesn't mean... that It's a complete... It, you don't mitigate the experience and the feelings that you have and that you got from it just because the artist who's no longer connected to the work anymore is a douche. So, uh, anyway, to... to um, I know I went on a little bit of a rant there, but I guess what I was going at is that Hogwarts Legacy was a game that I was anticipating, but now has been delayed into next year. That's what that's one of the big games I wanted to play. Um, let's see here, God of War is still coming out this year. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what else has been delayed into next year. I guess I'm thinking a lot about movies. There's a lot of games that are still on track for this year. Kalista Protocol is still supposed to be coming out in, what is it, September? I think it's next month when that comes out, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to actually, since I, you know, I'm in front of the computer, might as well bring that up while I'm sitting here. Gaming 2022. 2022 in video games. There we go. You go to Wikipedia. You got to find out all this important information on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, all right, let's scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, okay, August. I'm not gonna look into games that already came out, obviously, because well, they already came out. Um, wait. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that's right. This is the this is the gaming section. I was about to start talking about um about uh, movies and stuff. Oh, multiverses is something that I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about that next once I finish this up, finish this segment up. Um, so for today's the uh, the recording of this is the 26th. So there's still some things that are coming on the horizon, but. Let's see what's coming in the next few months. 
Ooh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. That's a big one. That's one I'm really anticipating because that's a remastered collection of all the classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games. And these are like some some really, really, really great games. Like, not only do you get the Nintendo NES games, but you get the arcade games. Now, the arcade games are the are the best. I'll just put it that way. If anybody who's actually played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game or the or Turtles in Time, you'll know just what I mean. I've now I have played the original arcade game via emulator, but I have when I was a kid played a actual Turtles in Time arcade cabinet and it was so much fun. It was like I I'm not a huge fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to begin with, but this is, like, really, really, really cool. And they're all great games, so I'm going to go through the list here. You have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo. That's a, that's a good game in its own right. You have the arcade game, which is an awesome, fun beat-em-up game. You have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, which is more of a sequel to the Nintendo game than it is a sequel to the arcade game. You have Fall of the Foot Clan. I've never played that. That's on GameCube. Turtles in Time Arcade. I've already mentioned that. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Turtles uh, 2, Back from the Sewers. That's Game Boy. I've never played that one. Manhattan Project. Um, I've never played Manhattan Project. Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. That is also a really great game. Like, But whether it's the arcade version or the Super Nintendo version... Both of those games are enough of a reason to buy this collection already. It, it, those two games are just worth it to play. And then these other ones I'm honestly not as familiar with. The Hyperstone Heist on the Genesis, Radical Rescue on the Game Boy, Tournament Fighters on the Super Nintendo, Tournament Fighters on the Genesis, and Tournament Fighters on the Nintendo. All great, great, great releases. I... That it, oh man, I'm so anticipating that. I want it so bad. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. I'm curious about that, but I've only just recently gotten into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and so I, I'm still skeptical. Whenever they do those tie-in games that are directly connected to an anime, they usually suck unless it's Dragon Ball Z. Like, I love My Hero Academia, but those My Hero Academia games are not good. <laughs> not not good at all. And then let's see here. Last of Us Part 1. I want to play that, but I'm not in a hurry. I'm not spending $70 on a game that's not even 10 years old. And, and, and not only is the game 10 years old, not even 10 years old, but if you own a PlayStation 5 and you have... PlayStation Plus, when you have PlayStation 5, they give you the original Last of Us for free. Not free as part of a subscription, like, oh, as long as you keep paying for PlayStation Plus, you keep the game. It's like, no, if you have PlayStation Plus and you redeem it to your library, it's in your library forever. They are flat out giving away the original one, the well, the original remastered, the PS4 version, away for free. Just go play that. If you have a PlayStation 5 already, just get a month of PlayStation Plus and add the PlayStation Plus collection to your library. Add all of those games to your library because they're permanent unlocks. They're not like temporary unlocks.
And so that's my recommendation to people. Do that. Do that. Don't don't spend $70 on Last of Us Part 1. It's it's goofy. It's goofy and it's stupid and it's not worth the money. Now, when it goes on sale on the other hand, when it goes on sale, that's a whole different ball game. Let's see next. Lego Brawls. Um, I'm probably going to try that just because it's a platform fighter. You know, it's it, it plays similar to Smash Brothers or Multiverses. But, I, I mean, I'm not huge into Lego, and I don't know how long I'll continue to play that game. We'll just, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Then, let's see. Those children... NBA, no thank you. 13. Oh, a Switch version of the crappy remaster of 13 is coming out. Oh, that's going to be fun. Take a... Sh take a... It's like taking a good game, making a shitty version, and then porting that shittier version to a outdated console. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. I can't wait to see how that works out. Let's see here. Metal Hellslinger. I played the demo of that, and it's fun, but I don't see myself getting it. It's a cool concept. It's a, it's a basically a rhythm first-person shooter where you have to take out a room full of enemies like it's Doom, but the but if you kill in the sync in sync with the music, you'll get points and you'll get perks and blah 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 blah. It's a cool concept, but I don't know. Not I'm not as interested. Alrighty, and then Diofield Chronicle, ba 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 ba. Session. Oh, Session's actually officially coming out. Oh no, that's cool. I've already I've bought that on the um on the Xbox One, so that'll be cool when that fully finally launches. Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. Oh, it's an adventure game. Huh. I never heard that was coming. Oh, and it's coming on all platforms too. Now that's. That's weird. That's strange. Alrighty, let's see. I'm just scrolling through the September list. Oh, and that that finishes off September. Oh, they're doing the same thing for Vertigo? So wait, they have Vertigo... Oh, wait, no, they're both Vertigo. Alfred Hitchcock, Vertigo. Alfred Hitchcock, Vertigo. Those... So there's two entries of the same thing? Yeah, I think someone fucked with the Wikipedia page. Um, Dragon Ball The Breakers, The Breakers. PGA Tour. Oh, Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. I'm very interested in that. That's from the people who made the Friday the 13th game. And they... And they... Predator, the Predator game wasn't very good, but I, I give them be the benefit of the doubt on this one. I have a feeling like this is going to be a much better game. Persona 5 Royal. That is something I need to play, because I never played through all of Persona 5, but what I did play was fantastic. That's definitely on a, on a list somewhere that I need to play. Batman... Batman Gotham Knights. Hmm. 
I want to play it. I have a feeling like it's going to be good, but at the same time, yeah, he, my I'm gritting my teeth. It's just, it the some of the a lot of the footage has made me worried, but the recent footage they showed, I think IGN did it as a exclusive video. They showed a boss fight between Nightwing and Harley Quinn, and that actually looks a lot like a lot of fun. So. That'll be cool to see. Oh, modern... <laughs> Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Not the original Modern Warfare 2, but the sequel to the remake of Modern Warfare. I I like calling it Modern Warfare 2-2. Since it's the second Modern Warfare 2, it's Modern Warfare 2-2. Just without all the controversy... Uh, just without all the controversy and stuff. <laughs> They've already confirmed that there isn't going to be like a no Russian mission like there was in the original game where you have to shoot up civilians or anything like that. Oh man, sorry, I'm so tired. Resident Evil Reverse. That still hasn't come out? That's the multiplayer mode that was supposed to come with Resident Evil Village, wasn't it? Wasn't it supposed to come with Village? Yeah, it was supposed to come with Resident Evil Village, and that still hasn't come out yet. I honestly don't know why they don't just scrap that. I mean, nobody wants a Resident Evil multiplayer game. No one gives a crap. Alrighty. Now we're getting closer to the end of the year, November. Skull and Bones. Um, I'm interested because the game has been in development for so long, but in all honesty... Like, it's it's skull and bones, you know. It it the game. It, you saw the footage. The game looks years old, and yet it's supposed to be exclusive to next gen. Well, Windows, PS Five, Series X, Stadia, and Luna. Amazon Luna, really. Anyway, Sonic Frontiers. Another three D Sonic game. I I I don't care. Give me a Sonic Mania 2. Give me a 2D Sonic game. That's what I want. I don't want another 3D Sonic game. They mostly suck, except for a few highlight ones, like um, like um, uh, Sonic Generations. That that was a really good one. But then again, that one's like part 3D, part 2D. Oh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Like Those are probably the only 3D video game... Sonic 3D Sonic video games that I like. Okay, December's Kalista Protocol. Hmm. That's obviously big on the anticipation list. Al the Alan Wake Switch version hasn't been announced. Yeah, there's a few games I'm anticipating, but it seems like next year's where like a lot of the a lot of the big games are gonna end up coming out. The, I, like it, it seems like, I mean that that seems like every year you know oh it, everything gets delayed into the next year into the next year into the next year and stuff like that, but it seems like 2023 is going to be the rock solid release dates for. A lot of these games and so I guess we'll have to wait and see I still 
Let's see here. Let's see if I can switch it over to 2023. Oh yeah, there you go. 2023 in video games. Oh yeah, Dead Island 2, Hogwarts Legacy, Destiny 2 Nightfall, Resident Evil 4, Remastered Version, Robocop, Alan Wake 2, Black Myth Wukong. Ooh, Blasphemous 2. It, 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 Diablo 4. And Dune Spice Wars is already out on early access, so that doesn't count. Um, oh, Final Fantasy 7 2. Final Fantasy 7 Remake 2. As well as Final Fantasy sixteen, those are those are those are going to be pretty crazy. Um, the new Forza Motorsport that's going to be a lot of fun. Even though I personally prefer the Horizon series, Motorsport's still fun. It's the same game. It's just uh, racing on tracks as opposed to having a open world to drive around in. It's just the open world is just so much better, honestly. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I already mentioned that. The sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game. The the remake of Lollipop Chainsaw. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Oh, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. Um, like, at first I had trouble thinking of games that were coming out next year, and then I see all these, I'm like, oh shit, Payday 3! Payday frickin' 3! I've been wanting a new Payday for for ages. Will will it suck and be filled with microtransactions? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Suicide Squad kills the Justice League? Of course I'm excited for that. I grew up playing the Batman Arkham games, and I just want to see what they've been developing for all these years because it's been it's been a few years since Arkham Knight which is their previous game that was 2016 and so they've been working on this game for was it 6 years 6 years now I'm definitely wanting to see what they do what they have up their sleeve that it, that's just going to be awesome and so that that's my anticipated games of this year and next year list. And I'll, you know, cover news updates in the future if like if any of those games get delayed into the feud into into next week or whatever. But I'll finish off this gaming section to talk about one of the games that I've been addicted to in the time in my um podcast um, hiatus and that's multiverses which is a free-to-play fighting game from warner brothers where it has all the character it has the catalog of characters from warner discovery from dc comics to hbo to turner to adult swim and the game is absolutely fantastic and addicting. It's a two. It's focuses on two v two fighting, and there's a wide variety of characters like Shaggy from Scooby Doo, Batman, Superman, Iron Giant. Iron Giant's one of my favorite characters to play, and it's two on two battles. But you also have one on one, and you have uh, every person for themselves, which is one v one v one v one, and 
But in reality, the 2v2 is the game mode you're going to want to play. Every time I try to play one of the other game modes, it's just not as fun. It's just not meant for those other modes. They built it around the 2v2 gameplay. The It costs money to unlock characters, but with the rotation of free characters, as well as the fairly inexpensive price, all things considered, to unlock the characters with free currency... I, I say the game's an absolute winner. Like, even if you don't drop any money on the game at all, you can still unlock stuff. You just gotta keep playing. And if you keep playing, you'll be able to unlock all your favorite characters as permanent unlocks, and you won't have to worry about that as, as an issue. You won't have to worry about it ever. And it, it it's just very reasonable progression. The Battle Pass is good, but the only problem is that the uh, Battle Pass doesn't have any premium currency in it, so you'll have to buy $10 Battle Passes every season, and it's not like Fortnite where if you grind up, you can do the next one, do the next one, do the next one, do the next one. This, it, it, it's... it. I Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But the ability to unlock characters is very generous, it's easy to do, and you're allowed to test out any of the characters that you want to via the training mode, which is called the lab. Just so good, so good. And to be honest, the even though... It's been since February. There isn't really a whole lot to cover in the world of gaming besides me playing multiverses. I mean, sure, you can talk about Fortnite updates, like how Fortnite had its big event, its big event, and then it brought in Darth Vader, and now Darth Vader is the tier 100 skin that I actually only just recently got. Um, the Dragon Ball Super event in in um, and Fortnite is really, really awesome, too. I got almost all the skins um, that were available dur during that event because, I mean, I love Dragon Ball Super. And they added the ability to watch episodes of Dragon Ball Super in Fortnite, which is really cool. So people can get a little, a little taste of what Dragon Ball Super is all about. Really cool. Really cool stuff. There's a Dragon Ball Super world where... All kinds of, or it's made to resemble like the Dragon Ball Super world, where you can travel to different areas and collect items and visit famous characters and stuff. They just went above and beyond the the Fortnite uh, Dragon Ball Super update, which is only something that was just recent. And it's it's just absolutely worth playing. Um, let's see, what else in the free-to-play world? Oh, um... Fall Guys went free to play in the meantime since I since I've been off the air, and um, it is I'd say Fall Guys is a better game for it. Even though the monetization has gotten worse, the overall health of the game and the player base is now more stable, and a lot more people consistently play it across all the platforms. So it's definitely worth it. It's both games are worth downloading. Um, I've tried. I've tried some other games since then. Um, WWE 2K22 is a fantastic wrestling game. 
Um, you should definitely play it if you like wrestling games. I'm looking forward to AEW Fight Forever, which is AEW's upcoming wrestling game that plays a little bit more like WWF No Mercy on the N64. That'll be a lot of fun to play and give a try. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, there is, I guess there is topics and there are things that definitely have happened in gaming since February, but overall the gaming landscape, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't changed drastically. Like there's, there's news of companies being bought out and EA's potentially being bought by Amazon. Destiny was bought by Sony and overall and overall gaming has been in somewhat of a standstill ever since the release of Elden Ring earlier this year and Elden Ring was one of the things I was going to cover on my um podcast back then before I went went into hiatus and the and Elden Ring has basically sort of taken over the gaming landscape it's the most popular game by far, even uh, after all this time, after all these months, it's like uh, the it's like is game of the year just going to automatically go to Elden Ring this year because there haven't been really a whole lot of games that have come close. Um, I've played Stray, which is the game where you control the cat in the future world. That's a cool game, but that's more of an interactive experience, and it's not very challenging at all. You can sit down in maybe one or two sittings and beat it, and it's not very hard. There's some puzzle solving, but, I mean, if you have a brain in your head, it should be pretty easy to figure out how to how to do the puzzles. So, um, I guess it, also in that time, in, like, personal updates, my computer actually works pretty well now, so I can play PC games. And one game that I've also been playing a lot of in the months uh, months since hiatus is Valorant. I never thought in a million years that I would like Valorant as much as I do, but it, it is what it is. It's one of those things that it plays like Counter-Strike, but it's just so much better than Counter-Strike right now. It's just miles, miles, and miles better than Counter-Strike. Like, yeah, Counter-Strike has the benefit of being able to sell the loot crates on the Steam store for Steam credit, but Valorant has horrible monetization, but the gameplay gets consistently updated, and the meta gets consistently changed. There's new abilities, new characters, new maps. Occasionally, there's new modes. It's just more of what I want from gaming and content updates. And... Oh, I guess one, one other thing to cover is that it reminded me of gaming updates. Overwatch 2's on the horizon, which is going to come be coming out free to play in October, and it's going to replace Overwatch 1, but it's more Overwatch. It's not like anything's going to really be changed or different. I've played both betas, actually all the betas now that I think about it, all the ones that you could publicly access. I've played, I've played all of them, and it's the exact same game as it was. Now, Cross-play and cross-progression, of course, is welcome. The ability to link your accounts, of course, is welcome. But at the end of the day, Overwatch is still Overwatch. And Overwatch right now is in a bit of a dead period while people are waiting for Overwatch 2 to come out because it's one of those weird contradictions. Overwatch 1 has an event going, and not many people are really even playing it or even trying to play it. Only the tryhards are still playing right now. But 
when Overwatch 2's beta first came out and all the streamers were playing it, Overwatch got some it got the biggest viewership numbers on Twitch that it had ever had. And so it's one of those things where nobody's playing, but at the same time, people are eagerly waiting for Overwatch 2 just so they can download it for free and play with their friends. Because either way, it's going to be worth it to play Overwatch 2. Oops, sorry about the little interruption there. I'm going to quit out of that just so it doesn't interrupt again. Um, I don't know why it made its little jingle, but... um. Dang, that, that jingle completely, completely threw, my, threw me off my game. But, oh yeah, Overwatch. Um, right now, the final days of Overwatch, it's almost sad, but it's, you know, it's fitting. They killed the game, and now it's going to get rebooted, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, people will still give a shit. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, that's, oh man, that's enough about me rambling about gaming. I am going to take a break, but we'll be right back after this. Stick around. Hello, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far. If you like what I do and want to support the show, you can go to linktree slash rjpodcasthub. That's linktr.ee slash rjpodcasthub. You can also find the link in the description of this podcast episode. All support is welcome, and I thank you for listening. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back, everyone. This is the movies and TV section of the podcast here. Now, in the future, I might separate video games into its own podcast, or movies into its own podcast, or wrestling into its own podcast, but there has to be enough material for me to do that, and right now, um, since it's been a pretty much a dry few months as far as news goes, I've decided to do one podcast for right now that has both topics, and a section at the end where I'll just talk about little things that you know I want to talk about that aren't in movies, TV, or video games. But this first thing I would like to mention is that we've recently crossed the 60th anniversary of Dr. No, the original James Bond movie, originally coming out in 1962, starring the legendary Sean Connery. And what can I say about this movie? It I can. There's two ways to that you can sort of evaluate Doctor No. Is that you can either do the historical perspective or an giving analysis as a movie. Um, as a, and first, I'm going to start off by just as a movie because you know a lot of us know the franchise that came from these uh, from the this first film and. A lot of people just forget about the movie itself as a movie, so I'm going to go into that now. So, James Bond is put on assignment to Jamaica to find out about the disappearance of an agent and his secretary in and why they were disappeared. They're investigating why they were getting missile um, interference from... Um, what is it? They are getting the Americans are getting interference when they do like radar in that area, and they can't figure out why that is. And the plot thickens, and it turns out that it 
is because a island is owned by this villain named Doctor No. It's a it's a spy film. There is, you know, some, you know, so spy gadgets and that kind of thing, like um, stuff stuff that that wouldn't be full that wouldn't be possible. But at the same time, there's nothing that's so. There's nothing that's as fantastical as what we get later in the series. We get a lot of more simple special effects. You know, he has he has a pistol, he has a, has a watch, and that kind of thing. And it's really just to him and his intuition. Um, the movie itself, it's still fairly entertaining, even though there are some sections that drag a little bit. Once The beginning part is really cool for introducing James Bond, where he's playing Baccarat with the um with the woman the woman's name is Sylvia Trench um and from there he gets called to M's office to get his assignment and then he goes to Jamaica when he goes to Jamaica that's when the movie really actually starts and before that it's sort of set up oh he's a womanizer he's a secret agent he tries to get one over on people when possible, like when he tries to sneak the gun from his boss after his boss tells him to get rid of his Beretta. He has a Beretta, and they give him this new Walther PPK, and they tell him, and he tells him to leave the Beretta. James Bond tried to sneak away with it, stuff like that. He has his own unique look, his personality, and that's really what defined this character and what made him very popular. He started. He had that Sherlock Holmes quality and the fact that you just didn't really care what kind of mystery he got in. You just wanted to see him solve a mystery. And that's James Bond in a nutshell. You want to see him unveil this plot by these bad villains and stop them. And there's some interesting uniqueness to to this that a few parts that I want to uh, start out. Like the opening sequence is legendary where you have the gun barrel and then you have the original James Bond theme. And then you ha- transition into Three Blind Mice, the song. And it sets up these uh, three assassins who act like they're blind guys walking down the street. And they... And they you you don't they don't really say anything they just do the assassination that was very interesting how it transitioned from abruptly from the James Bond theme to three blind mice the um the final bad guy layer the final island is still a really really cool creation I I, I think it's they created it via series of sets. But it's still, even still, the sets look amazing. You really feel like it's this secret underwater base that that a, a villain would live in. Somebody like Dr. No would live in. And so, as a spy movie, it's definitely very interesting because you slowly it, like get information that peels back the layers of this mystery and why Dr. No or sorry, more specifically, what Dr. No is trying to do. Um, and you find out further that Dr. No works for this bigger organization called Spectre, and that sets up the next several movies and their villains. 
and it eventually ends with Bond escaping and hooking up with Ursula Andres, who who plays um, Honey Rider. I, I think that's what her name is in the movie. Um, she was a she was really like a bombshell supermodel when this came out, and she was like definitely very idolized. Very. Um, she started in Playboy magazine. She was like that. She was like pre Farrah Fawcett, like Farrah Fawcett before then. You know, you had you had you know her maybe a poster of like a Julie Newmar or something like that. Um, it's just an entertaining movie by itself, but it's honestly more important for its significance of starting this franchise more than it being a great movie in and of itself. It, it's because Goldfinger is really one of the best and Casino Royale and there's several other Bond movies that are that you could definitely consider to be better than this. Dr. No is just known as being the first one, the first step in this franchise that ended up running for several, several, several movies across like 50 years. And it it's just an amazing piece of history. They had um they had the theatrical showings of Dr. No um this past month. Um I was originally gonna go, but I decided against it. There wasn't really anything unique because when the movie is over, there's gonna be forty five minutes of behind the scenes stuff with Daniel Craig and that kind of thing, which nothing wrong with Daniel Craig but if it's Dr. No, I'd like to see maybe some exclusive bonus features or something like that. But no, there weren't There weren't any. It was just the movie, and then it was going to have the 45 minutes behind the scenes where they talk to a bunch of different people about the importance of James Bond and the legacy of James Bond and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, more, more talking heads, but nobody who was actually there. I mean, I understand the movie's older, but dig up some old archival interviews or something, I don't know. But, yeah, cheers to the James Bond series for going for 60 years and still being a part of many kids' generations, including my own, me as a 90s kid. Um, I just appreciate the entertainment value that the film series has provided to me over the years. I've always, it was like, As my with my friend, as my friends would know, close friends would know, I am pretty diehard when it comes to James Bond. I love all the movies, and it's the reason I love the movies is something that is a, a bit of an intangible. It's it's that it's a comfort. It's the comfort zone. It's the safe space. It's the I can put this on and I'm gonna get what I'm gonna get something I want to see. I can watch any and all the James Bond movies anytime and enjoy it for what it is they're just fun adventure movies easy to pick up easy to put down easy to watch and there's just so they're just so entertaining and they span all these years and all these different styles like how they like moonraker is trying to incorporate elements of science fiction live and let die was impl- implementing parts of black exploitation cinema into its fold 
you had the more new age Daniel Craig mo- uh, movies, which are more modern and high tech. Um, you had Roger Moore's movies, which have ranged from goofy to not as goofy. There, there's just so many eras, so many memories, so many fun times, so many special effects, and overall just one of my favorite film franchises to this day. I hope that the future of, I hope the future of this film series remains bright because it'll be depressing, really depressing, to see bad James Bond movies. But I feel like they're going to take the time to actually care and give a shit who they put in that spot. I I, th- I I don't know what's to come in the future, but I feel like they're going to be smart about it and not screw it up. So that's James Bond. Um, next. Ah, the Warner Discovery merger. This is one of the reasons, part of the reasons I wanted to come back from hiatus and start doing some form of the podcast again um, is because I want to be able to say this on some kind of record, and since this will be on the RSS feed forever um, until the end of time, this Warner Discovery merger is going to definitely have a massive impact on physical media and reinforces the idea of you'll own nothing and be happy. The, I mean, and and I never thought that this would be something that would ever happen, but HBO Max and Discovery, as as anybody who's kept up with entertainment news knows, is that Warner Brothers and Discovery are merging and making this new company called Warner, Warner Discovery. And in that process, they're going to be merging the HBO Max app with the Discovery Plus app into one combined app, which that, I mean, that sounds great on paper. You know, there's, you know, two libraries of content coming together, and I'm sure the price is probably going to be, I mean, I if they're smart, they're going to keep it at $15 a month because, I mean, any more for any more for that than on a streaming service a lot of people won't see it as worth it. It, it just, they won't see it as worth it. And so it sounds great. Like, okay, they're going to bring those two libraries together. A chunk of the people who worked for HBO Max have lost their jobs. They've been put off or fired. And TV shows and um, cer- – well, mostly TV shows. I'm trying to remember if there's any movies. Not that I can think of. But they're just being flat out removed from HBO and potentially not sold anymore. And it's it's caused some really, really crazy consequences. The example um, the examples that I can think of, and these are the ones that I'm the most knowledgeable of, is the um, HBO Cartoon Network hybrid uh, collaboration production, which was Infinity Stones. And then you had... The HBO shows Camping and Vinyl. Vinyl is the one that I'm most familiar with. That's a show that I actually liked and was hoping would get a second season when it first came out back in 2016, but it ended up not happening. They greenlit a second season, and then because of the numbers of the, the viewership ratings of the show were so shitty, 
they decided, you know, we're going to we're going to do a reverse Uno and not do another season. And it was a show that I really liked and it had a lot of great actors and had a lot of famous people. I mean, you had Martin Scorsese directing the first episode. You had Olivia Wilde as a major part. You had Ray Romano as a character, and Ray Romano doesn't really do that many parts that often. And so, what, so why am I talking about vinyl? Well, these three shows are shows that in this merger have been removed from the online stores. And, and as a result, the physical copies of these shows are going through the roof. The um, Infinity Stones, um, the Infinity Stones uh, a DVD was being sold online for like $500, brand new, buy it now. The vinyl Blu-ray went from brand new copies selling on Amazon, on eBay for 20 bucks, like legit brand new copies, to now a pre-owned copy is going to be at least $30, and a new copy is going to cost 60 70 80 And that was literally overnight. I was looking at the listings of the vinyl TV show as sort of a reference point and that was the one that I was most familiar with as far as TV shows, so that's the one I followed. But the Infinity Stones TV show one, that's the one that like got a lot of headline. That it got a lot of uh, that got a lot of viewership because just because of how much the series was being scalped for on eBay, and it really, really, it it again shows that. You know, the future, there's, in the future, there's going to be a need for physical media. There just is, and there is right now. And I will continue to say that physical media needs to be there forever. Because physical media is important to exist for situations like this. You know, it's still available to be purchased on digital platforms, but those platforms have you sign agreements that say, hey, we can remove this shit at any time and you can't do anything legally about it. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where we're at now, unfortunately. And it's it's just sad to see these corporations taking these re this really greedy approach to doing it, firing all these people, taking down these TV shows. And of course, you know, there's no bringing up this merger, this controversy, without bringing up Batgirl, which is probably one of the bigger pieces of news that I've been seeing on Facebook headlines and entertainment news headlines and everything like that. It's... It's... I mean, look, I don't think Batgirl was going to be that great of a show. I, I honestly don't think it would have been. But at the same time, it should have been allowed to exist, especially since it was already almost completed. Since it was already almost done, just let it exist. Let it, let it be there, you know? And I... I don't know. I guess it's just frustrating. Corporate greed shitting on all the all these filmmakers and not even giving it a chance. And apparently, according to early reviews, the Batgirl was just a glorified CW pilot. And I heard, I and I felt like that was going to be the case because it's, 
I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to see that they're that's what they're trying to do. Even though Michael Keaton was going to be reprising his role as Batman, and and just seeing it, ha- and and seeing it be canceled and not even ha- allowed to come out, is just a really unfortunate thing to see. Oh, sorry, I had to click off the mic for a second. Um, man, my sinuses are, have been killing me. But anyway, back to Batgirl. Batgirl is the biggest cancellation, and now apparently Warner Brothers is going to be having funeral screenings where cast and crew would be allowed to watch the movie, and then the movie would eventually be destroyed, which that's horrible for film history. Again, I didn't think this movie was going to be any good at all, but it should come out. It should be allowed to come out. I, I just... It boggles my mind that that's something that they just wouldn't that they just wouldn't care about. They wouldn't care about film history, but that's big corporations for you. They only care about film history when it matters to them. You know, they they care about film history when they want to sell a 4K Blu-ray, and so they'll scan it and give it all kinds of attention and um, and treat the film right. But if it's something that they don't give a shit about or if they don't care about We'll just remove it from the app. We'll disappear from existence. We'll treat it like a tax write-off. And this billion-dollar corporation is going to take measures just to save a few extra millions so that the company looks really nice in the merger. It's dumb. It's stupid. And physical media needs to exist for this reason, because at some point, shows like Vinyl, Camping, and Infinity Stones might just get deleted permanently. And... No matter how big or how small the show is, if it came out and it existed, it has the right to be preserved. If if it's completed, it should have the right to come out in the first place. I mean, that's how I feel about it. But, again, these executives, they don't give a shit. And the best thing that you can do as a consumer is something that I've been saying. If it's something that you really love, I'm not saying that you got to go out and start having these massive film collections or TV show collections and clogging up space. But if it's something that you legitimately love, if it's a show or a movie that you legitimately love and you want to watch it a billion times and you're going to see, see yourself watching it a ton of times, don't depend on a streaming service to have it available for you. Have a physical copy on hand so that when the time comes that the movie becomes too expensive to be on a streaming service, then people don't want to pay the licenses for that movie, then there's not going to be really many other ways to watch it besides paying a much more exorbitant price for a digital copy that doesn't exist and could disappear from your collection forever versus buying this physical copy that is not going anywhere. That's a, nothing's going to happen to your physical copy. No one can legally come and take it away from you. And so that's what you need to do, and that's what people need to do, is just buy the things, that be willing to buy the TV shows and movies that you legitimately love and you would legitimately want to watch again. Don't depend on the streaming service to have it for you. Just, just don't. These, they, they're not looking out for you. They're looking out for their own interests. And now we're at the point where even original shows like Vinyl on HBO are just getting taken off and disappeared. Who knows when it'll come back or if it'll ever come back. 
but they just want to save money on those residual checks. They decide they don't want to send any more checks to Martin Scorsese or Olivia Munn. So they decided, hey, you know, this is our way of getting rid of that. The show costs so much money and yet is costing us money. And it's unfortunate because it's not like they're at a loss for money. They've never been at a loss for money. Ugh. Anyway, the final topic of the podcast would be the first two episodes of House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spin-off TV show, takes place 174 years before the events of the TV show, let's just say. They say but before Tenerys Targaryen went crazy, which is towards the end of the TV show. So it's 170-something years before that. And it's telling about the fall of a House Targaryen. House Targaryen, as people know in the Game of Thrones TV show, House Targaryen was one of the big prominent families in Westeros before something happened, a.k.a. this TV show, before something happened that caused them to fall from their power. And so when this show came out, there was a lot of hype behind it because not only because it's new Game of Thrones, but people are wondering, is this going to be any good? Is this going to suck? Is this going to be worth it, worth our time? Or is it going to be another failure? Well, after these first two episodes, and I think there's going to be a 10-episode first season. It's either 8 or 10 episodes. I'd have to look up which, which it is. But from these first two episodes, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. It has the palace intrigue and interesting storytelling that I loved about Game of Thrones. The characters who are shades of gray and the unpredictability of the storytelling. Well, sometimes unpredictability. I, I do I do admit that I was... Um, like, you're able to see certain things coming if you if you're like paying attention really, really hard to them, but a lot of it's stuff that, like, you'll know when they want you to know. Like, when the get, when in the first episode, a one of the main characters is prompt with the decision, and you know what decision that character is going to make, but they make it's like, oh, well, what what's he going to do? But since this is Game of Thrones, you know that he's going to take probably the worst possible humanly option available, because, again, characters can be good people, but then they also can make bad decisions as well. So it's one of those trade-off things. The The show doesn't have a variety of locations at the moment, which is something that I feel like it needs. I know it's going to focus around House Targaryen, but part of the fun of Game of Thrones is this branching storytelling of these characters in different parts of the world and how characters will interact with each other, run into each other, or build up to when a character meets another character. There isn't as much of that here. There's um, there's really two general locations there have been so far that we've seen in the show. There's the, um, I think they call it Rhinestone, which is where um, where the main character's uncle has been exiled to. And then you have, of course, King's Landing, which is really the center of everything in, in Westeros, since that's where the Iron Throne sits. And there's 
you know, there's dragons, there's violence, there's nudity, there's palace intrigue, there's interesting storytelling, there's interesting characters. Not all the characters are very interesting, but there's enough there to make you want to see what happens next. The only thing that I worry about personally is what is next. What is going to be the next thing that that happens? Well, not next thing, but what's the major thing that's going to happen at the end of the season? Because in Game of Thrones fashion, there's always crazy things that happen towards the end of the season. And so what are the crazy things that are going to happen towards the end of this season? Is it going to be worthwhile? Is it going to spit in the face of fans? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But these first two episodes have me very interested so far as to what's in the future of this show, and I can't wait to see it. Um, there, there's just so, there's just so much potential, and I don't want them to screw it up. I don't want them to fuck it up. But you, you never know. The original create the original Game of Thrones creators aren't part of this series, so it does give you hope that hey, maybe they'll actually care more about it, and they won't. You know, they they won't screw it up. We'll just have to wait and see. I'll probably do a House of the Dragon episodes update every time I do a new episode of the podcast for the duration of this first season. They've already greenlit it for a second season, which is really awesome. So we know that we'll get more Game of Thrones in the future. And overall, I'm just really, really hyped for more Game of Thrones. It really feels like there's more Game of Thrones. And this second episode that came out just the other day was really, really awesome because you got the new intro. The first episode didn't have the intro. It just said, oh, House of the Dragon, and here begins the show. But the second episode had the original Game of Thrones theme, but a new intro sequence that's filled with blood and stone and all this really cool-looking shit. If you haven't seen it, check out the new sequence. It looks really cool. And they're just, they seem to be making the right decisions with this show and being faithful to the Game of Thrones universe while also doing something new that we haven't seen before. And it's, and I, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's next. And so big, big time recommendation on House of the Dragon. There's some really, really, really cool stuff there. And if you're a fan of Game of Thrones... Definitely, 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 definitely worth a watch. Um, one thing I'm going to have here as a little section here at the end is I'm going to do a quick little review of the mo- a movie I saw recently that I felt like I wanted to talk about. The film is called Come and See, and it's a Soviet anti-war film from 1985, if I remember correctly. And it has, it it stars actors with names that I won't be able to pronounce, and so I don't want to embarrass myself or insult the actors by mispronouncing. So I'm just going to keep things simple. The story is a little boy in this town who wants to, and is excited to, become enlisted to fight back against the Nazi invasion. This is right around the time when the when Nazi Germany turned against they turned against the Russians and so the Russians were having to get people to fight back and repel this invasion and this kid's initially excited to go he goes and finds sand, um a gun in the sand and 
is like, oh, I'm ready to go to these generals. And when he gets enlisted, he's put in a series of circumstances that slowly tear away at his innocence. And you, as this movie goes on, you see this little boy become absolutely destroyed and damaged by the horrors of war. It's a fascinating film. It's a fantastic film. And it's absolutely worth seeing. And one of the great parts about it is that it's available legally and for free on YouTube. Like, you could just watch it on YouTube. And it's uncut and it's uncensored. There's no... there. There's violence, but a lot of it is the aftermath of violence. Or they will show violence happening somewhere off screen. And something bad's happening, but you don't fully see it to a graphic degree. And I think that's why it's able to be on YouTube. Um... And it's, it, I mean, I, I watched it from a Criterion Blu-ray that I had, and it was just a enchanting experience. If I were to describe the film, it's like a, almost a, if you took, oh man, it, it, doing a comparison to other movies is, you know, not good. It sells the movie short, so instead, what I'm going to do is I'll just say it's, a World War II movie that's a bit more artistic. There's a few sequences that definitely are a bit more artsy, specifically towards the end involving the kid, a rifle, and a picture of Hitler on the ground. That there, that's definitely like a bit uh, like art housey. But the movie isn't always art housey. If I were to describe the movie, it'd be hyper realism, where it takes a realistic situation. And this kid is essentially put into a bunch of horrible situations that, you know, one person probably wouldn't encounter all the time. But through this hyper-realism, this extreme realism, you start learning, the, uh, you start having this realization about the horrors of war. And some of the Nazi atrocities that are depicted in this film are real Nazi atrocities, and they spouted off rhetoric that was also commonplace at the time with Nazis invading other countries. So it's a it's a it's realistic but taken to the extreme. Any any all the most horrible things that can happen to this kid happen to this kid and this kid has to essentially be a regular soldier and learn how to be a soldier all while these horrible things that he can't even comprehend are happening to him. It's absolutely riveting. It's absolutely worth seeing. If you go on YouTube and you type in "come and see," you will see a um, listing for it, and it's absolutely worth watching. It's worth your time. It's in it has English subtitles, so don't worry about that. But it's really one of the great war films I've seen recently. Over the months since I've watched it. It's stuck with me, and the images of this film have stuck with me for a lot longer than for a lot longer after the film credits rolled. So I'm going to end off this episode of entertainment news for however long this show lasts. I'm going to cap off this episode with a recommendation of Come and See. Absolutely watch that movie. Absolutely 100% watch that movie. And if you want a modern release, a modern recommendation, go see Top Gun Maverick. That's a really good movie. I don't have much a review for Top Gun Maverick because it's a lot more 
of a conventional um a conventional uh, film and there isn't a whole lot to talk about it's just more of an entertainment experience so go watch both those movies top gun maverick and come and see Okay, that wraps it up for this episode. I'm going to try to have new episodes every two weeks. That's going to be my um, consistent schedule. I'm going to do it in this entertainment news format for the time being. Until I... And if I get enough content for the movie section to be given its own podcast, then I will. And same thing with the video games, given its own section. And if I want to talk about other stuff, then I'll probably have a section in this entertainment podcast as well. And then if each of the sections become big enough, then I'll have podcasts individually for each of those. All of those podcasts and potential projects can be found at RJ's Podcast Hub. You could search that wherever you find your podcasts, and you'll be able to find all the podcasts that I make, which right now includes entertainment news and Robert's Rockin' Radio, which is a Spotify-exclusive radio show in which I will have a theme and I'll talk about certain songs and introduce certain songs like our old school radio DJ. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out RJ's podcast hub on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to support the show, feel free to go to linktree slash RJ podcast hub. That's linktr.ee slash RJ podcast hub, all lowercase, all one word, except for the dot and the slash, obviously. Um, and that's that's about it for me this week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking out my show. Thank you for any support that you give me. And I hope to see you guys on the next show. Have a good night, everyone.